This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the virtual Hugh chat. Wow. So, we are going to be able to go to a tanning salon, get our manicures and pedicures done, and even get a tattoo starting on Monday. So... Things are definitely opening up, but again, we are all having these discussions and these feelings, but we do have a very important announcement that I want to make. Uh, we have workshops coming up, put on by Tech Manitoba, and they involve inclusion training for balancing family life during COVID. Now, before there was a very, very modest uh, workshop fee, but they've now announced that the workshops are absolutely free. So... Definitely worthwhile to take in these workshops. Go to techmanitoba.ca for all the information. Now, today's a very special show. We've got, a, well, two very special guests, actually. Uh, Tracy Bowman and uh, Cynthia Forthledge, who is Zooming in all the way from Bogota, Colombia, I think. So let's open up the chat and bring in all our wonderful ladies for a Thursday Hue virtual chat. Hey, everybody. Hey, hi, Tracy. Hi. Hey, how have you been doing? Good, good. Busy, but good. <laughs> yeah, doing everything right. The many hats that you always wear yeah. and even more. Yeah. And the boys are all good. Boys are all good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Upstairs, hopefully doing homework. There's Susie. Hey, hi, Nanette. Hi, Charlotte. Oh, Cynthia. Look at you. Oh, my goodness. Where are, oh, no, that's just a background. <laughs> and hi, Allie. Great to see everybody. Yes. Okay, so I'm just going to do, like, some introductions. Uh, we have the lovely Tracy Bowman joining us. And uh, I, um, Cynthia, you, she, you all know, too, that she's uh, Mayor Bowman's wife and everything like that. And life is so much changed, I guess, for everybody. And this uh, lovely lady down here is Cynthia Fortlich, and she is chiming in all the way from Colombia. Wow. So, <laughs> Cynthia, I, I, okay, we want to know, how is life, what is life like, COVID life in Colombia? You know what, it's living the dream life in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get more about, um, I mean, what you stand for and what you talk about too is acceptance without understanding. So, I kind of thought about it, and that's a great thing. Acceptance without understanding, especially Susie, since you sent me so many things about this uh, other wonderful lady that I'm hoping to get on the show. And, um, you know, we had talked about racism. We've talked about a lot of ugliness that is kind is coming to the surface right now. But I guess, too, as well as kind of accepting the place and where we're at. 
and how we can grow and build and become better people, I think, on all of this. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Tracy, too. I mean, yes, it's a tough time, but then dealing with your children and, you know, their fears and their angst, too. What have you learned, I guess, through all of this, raising a family, but also dealing with this very, very unprecedented time? You know, I think a, a good word that I've learned through all of this is resilience. And it is amazing what this entire community is going through and what kids in particular. I mean, we always say kids are, you know, flexible and adaptable, but that really is very apparent now. I'm noticing my kids, you know, while they miss their friends, they miss hockey, they miss all those different things that kids should be doing. They should be playing baseball, they should be swimming, they should be riding their bikes with friends, all those things right now, and they can't right? But they are managing. They are, I don't hear a lot of complaining. You know, they're, we try to do as much as we can as a family by doing a lot of biking, going to play basketball, whatever that looks like. But I find, um, you know, the kids are just, they're just overall really resilient and, and doing the best they can with online learning as well. It's not, it's not easy for anybody. It's not easy for kids, for parents, for teachers. This is a very difficult situation. Uh, but, you know, you know, you know, everything that we're doing is making us stronger as people, as a family. And so I think there's always, there's obviously better days to come, but I feel that we're, we're really strong through all of this. And I'm really impressed with my kids at how well they're doing. Have you ever asked them, um, you know, like even to document their feelings or what experiences through all of this, because um, it kind of is a historic time, right? Yeah, and that's been part of some of their schoolwork that the teachers have asked them to do is, you know, do a video or recording or write down how you're feeling about this time. And, you know, my kids aren't the kind of kids that would, would journal every day. That's not really what they like to do, but they do it every once in a while. And, uh, you know, they talk about the things that I've mentioned. It's friends is the key thing, right? That's socialization. Our kids are very social beings. And so that's what they miss. They miss that they just can't go out and do normal things. Like when play structures were, were closed, all those sorts of things. Um, and so, you know, we have talked to them about that. This is, you know, hopefully this is like a once in a hundred year type of thing. And, and they're living through this right now. What is it like as kids? You know, it's different for us as adults. So we're trying to pull that out a little bit out of them. But um, I find they're just, as I said, they're very resilient and adaptable and, and doing the best they can with this new normal right now. Yeah, I know. Well, even your job too at the university. I mean, yeah, they announced uh, all classes are all online too. I mean, it's very unpredictable. And I mean, you look at all of the big um, educational institutions, they're not, they're not sure they're not opening. So the fall will look very different, I think, huh? It will. And, and in my job in alumni relations, we're all about, we're in the people business, we're in the relationship management business. And so much of that work is done in person. We're realizing as we've had to change and pivot on a lot of different things that we're doing, forcing us to be more creative in how we engage with our alumni online, right? And we're finding that there's an appetite. People are, Zoom is the way of, it's just the nature of what, if, if you weren't on at least one Zoom call a day, right? I mean, people are, we're doing this a lot now, right? And so uh, we're finding that there's a real thirst and interest of our alumni all, all around the world because we're all in this together. And so we're finding some really neat opportunities of how we can bring things to them and how they can be part of it. So it's been, it's been some interesting challenges that way, but, you know, but, but definitely uh, some opportunities that we're seeing as well. Yeah, well, it's all about trying to stay connected. And I know this has just been, actually, it's been great too, to just to meet so many different people. Cynthia now, darling, 
how has travel been? And uh, tell us, I guess, you know, let the others know a little bit more on your your adventure that was supposed to be this great adventure of <laughs> travel. <laughs> yeah. It, um, so, I mean, the short version is uh, after a 30-year career ending in an executive role in Winnipeg, um, I decided that I really needed to shift things for a number of reasons, and I decided to go travel the world. 2020, what a year. Uh, so, um, yeah, December the 26th, Boxing Day, I took off to Santiago, Chile, and spent a month there. Then I went to Lima, Peru, and fell in love with so many things in Lima. Um, and then came to Colombia a little bit cautious, and three months later, I'm still here. And um, I know that I've got, um, due to international flights um, being canceled, and I know I'm living here for another three months. Um, yeah, so uh, it's been uh, an adventure. Um, and that's why we travel, is to have an adventure. So that's uh, what I'm doing and learning to live like a local. <laughs> and so what is life like right now? In, are you in Bogota, correct? Or? No, in uh, Medellin. So okay. in Medellin, um, I think it's about 263 kilometers away from Bogota. Um, we are still under a federal lockdown. Um, lockdown meaning you do not leave your home 724. Streets are patrolled by police. The air is uh, patrolled by the Air Force. You have your one day a week based upon the last digit of your ID document, passport in my case, that dictates what day I'm allowed to go out to go grocery shopping, and that's it. Um, there is no going out for walks or bike rides or anything. Now it's supposed to end on the 31st. Um, we went into this situation on March the 13th, so we've been locked down continuously. And um, we... It, they've transferred from national lockdown to regional lockdown, but we haven't been given the rules for the regional lockdown as of June 1st. We're expecting it'll be the same as it is um, with certain things opening up. Um, we're also under a curfew from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Um, every day. So that's what life in Colombia is like. Oh, my goodness. And so, like, you are isolated. You don't have... Yeah, there's no kind of support for you, right? Like, you're it? Um, I, I am it. Um, I am lucky that I do have a roommate uh, as part of the group I was originally traveling with. So uh, a gal from the UK. Um, we've gotten to know each other really well. And um, other than that, you know, uh, Zoom and, and other technology has kept me in touch with, you know, uh, many, many folks all over uh, the globe. Um, all the way from Europe through to, of course, back into Winnipeg. And you know what? It just, it, it is my new normal. Um, but then I kind of adapted and prepared for, you know, living 50 pounds of my life in 50 pounds out of a suitcase for, you know, up to two years. So um, I would say that I probably came into this a little bit more prepared than many. Oh, well, it's good just to see you and know that you're safe. Yeah. But now, Cynthia, um, we, we talked before, you've been on the Hue Crew, and there's a very interesting, I guess, um, dialogue that we had around your theme, your theme for your life, mm -hmm. um, understanding without acceptance. 
Yes. So if you want to just sort of expand on that and how, how it's been globally accepted. Yeah, uh, so uh, the premise behind acceptance without understanding, of course, like many things in our life, it comes from a deep experience. Um, and in short, what it means is the realization, you know, through, you know, school and, you know, through uh, certainly post-secondary into our careers, we're always taught, you know, to ask why. We need to gain understanding, which really means as a society, we've built this culture of, I need to understand in order to accept. Now, as somebody who identifies within the LGBT plus spectrum, um, having people learn to accept me within that role, um, you know, was very challenging, um, including within my own previous marital relationship, et cetera. So um, what I've come up with is saying, no, it's about acceptance without understanding. We are all human beings. We are all unique. And we're all on our unique journeys. And so therefore, you just need to accept that I'm a human being on my unique journey, just as I accept that you are on your own unique journey. Wow. And so, I mean, and how is that sort of uh, things for our, well, you're trying to do work, right, too, while you're down, down in South America, too? Yeah, so as I've been traveling, uh, I've been in the midst of writing a book uh, about acceptance without understanding. Um, really along the self-help kind of line. Um, I also, uh, without planning it, I ended up, because we had so much downtime, I have created a website and launched it in order to create a foundation for that. And of course, public speaking and coaching were the other elements that I work on and I've continued to coach. I've got clients over in South Korea that I work with um, already, but it's also... Um, uh, you know, the public speaking part, um, what I found is, uh, as an English speaker, in many parts of the world, uh, it's absolutely uh, easy to have a public speaking career uh, speaking only English. In South America, if you do not speak Spanish, you're very handicapped. Uh, so I've been trying to learn Spanish at the same time. Yes. Oh, see. Oh, wow, wonderful. Uh, I'm just going to... Uh, Allie, it was so great to see you too, Allie. And I guess Tracy knows Allie too very well. And uh, um, your thoughts sort of on what Cynthia's platform is all about, except- I was actually just going to be typing saying, talk about inspiration. Because um, <laughs> everything you're saying, like, not only in just, just to like, I have to just say, like, you're in a completely different place across the world right now and you're handling it way better than a lot of people are handling it. So like massive kudos to you. That's really awesome to hear. And then when it comes down to your platform, there's, and what you stand for, I can't give you enough, um, give you enough respect for, for it because, you know, a lot of the time I, I get really exhausted and I'm sure this can, and Charlotte and Kirsten probably know what I'm talking about when I have to explain something to somebody, especially when it comes down to something like my mental illness, when I have to consistently explain and they, until they understand. And that's not the point for me, right? That's not the point is I want you to accept me as who I am. I don't want to have to get frustrated and, and continuously tell my story. And I think that kind of goes into trauma-informed approaches too, right? Like making sure that we don't always need to open up and unravel us so long that you understand that this is me and that's me and you accept me for who I am. Then we're going to be on a mutual, we're going to be on a mutual respect. I don't need to be someone's best friend to respect them. 
And I think that that's one of the best things that I could have heard today. It was really inspiring to hear that. I think a lot more of us need to use that approach just in our everyday life, right? Because I'll find myself in, in explaining something for a really long time and go, that was exhausting. And I didn't even need to do that because they could have really just either a Googled it or just looked into it themselves or whatever it may be. And so I just really want to honor you for that because that's really special. And I hope that I can continue to do some more of that in my own life. Wow. Susie, well, you've met Cynthia before too, but you know what? I mean, we're always talking and we had the conversation too yesterday about, uh, you know, all of the racism and everywhere that's happening and i mean that platform is perfect right now it's just accepting um but yeah so what do you think now can we can we use this platform and even spread it out more <laughs> well i think that um it's been a really hard week on social media for a lot of people and um i i don't want us uh, to become desensitized to what we see on social media. So there were very graphic videos that were um, published and probably seen around uh, by quite a few people. And um, I did not look at them or watch them because it's too, it's too traumatizing to look at it actually. And um, we have to be careful about using those images and things like that as, um, and sharing them and things like that for exposing other people to that trauma as well. I think that we can be active, um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we can be active in using our voice, but I think we have to be really careful about how we use those images and, and videos that people were sharing. Um, I think now is a really good time for listening, as we talked about before, <coughs> excuse me, ladies. Um, but uh, my, my heart is just really heavy with everything that's happening in the world in Minneapolis. And, um, you know, we're not immune to it here in Canada either. And I think that um, something has to be done. Something has to change because people should not be dying just for the color of their skin. That is an awful, awful thing. And the fact that our children are growing up and this is still happening to people, it just blows my mind. And I don't want my children to grow up in a world like this. And it's up to us to change it. I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm heartbroken for so many people. Yeah, well, uh, Tracy, how do you kind of monitor social media with your boys, too? And, I mean, it, it, it's pretty hard, isn't it? Yeah, you know, um, our boys aren't on social media. We we'll show them, you know, various things on Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. I like Instagram because it's a happy place, or at least it's a happier place, right? Um, uh, Twitter can be very challenging. Um, and I mean, social media is to, is the purpose is to connect and, you know, to share and whatnot. But as Susie's mentioning, some of the things that have, have been shared are, are, are very disturbing and troubling. And unfortunately, that's the world that we're in as well. And so, you know, just from our, our unique situation, um, I mean, my husband's uses social media a lot for sharing information. And there was a time that I was looking I mean, I share and reshare a lot of his posts as well, but there was a time that I was looking within the comments uh, within his posts and for self-preservation purposes, I can't do that anymore because while I'd say about 90, 95% of people are very positive and say nice things, and it could be a very simple benign photo like he shared, he sh like, loves to take beautiful pictures of Winnipeg and just say, you know, good morning, Winnipeg, or just share something. And then you'd have someone, you know, post something that is 
I don't even want to repeat. And that's really hard. And so, as I said, I don't do that anymore because, uh, you know, he's got a thick skin. I don't. <laughs> I've, it's become thicker, but it is really troubling how people use social media to say whatever they want uh, behind whatever kind of, uh, whatever name they put on there. But would they actually say to that, that to the person uh, in person? Maybe, maybe they would, I don't know. But it is, it's very, it's very hard. And so, um, you know, those are things that we just, I monitor for myself. And uh, the boys have never seen any of that. But in terms of as our kids get older, I mean, our oldest is 12. Like when is, when is the right time, you know, in terms of going on to, to get an Instagram account or whatever that is. At this point in time, we've decided it's not the right time for our boys. And so we'll, mm-hmm. what that looks like. And Susie being an expert in this area could probably share you know, when I totally agree with you. And that uh, there's something that really just turns my stomach is parents who lie on the apps just to get their kids, you know, in involved or get accounts that blows my mind because it's the same thing as buying them liquor. Like really, like, what are you trying to prove by, you know, lying about your kid's age to get them on this social network that really doesn't benefit them in a lot of ways. In fact, it can do a lot more harm. So yeah, Tracy, I totally agree that uh, if it's not right for your family and not right for your kids, absolutely hold fast to that. Because as I say to my kids, social media is not going to make your life any better. In fact, it may make it worse when it comes to children. Absolutely. And maybe even for a lot of adults too. (laughs) Yeah. So what, what is the age where you, you can allow your kids to go on Twitter and have an Instagram account, whatever? I don't Or is that also just... Sorry. The age is, uh, is determined by the app store. So most of them are like 12 plus, some are 13 plus, but you see a lot of them, you have to have email accounts. So that means you have to create either a Google account or an iCloud account. And once you create a Google account for your child, you use for their birth date for that account determines what kind of advertising they see no matter what platform they're on so that is a huge concern so if you're lying and saying that your child is 15 or 16 or whatever that changes what advertising they'll be targeted for and that is a slippery slope because there's all kinds of things that are targeted towards children as far as internet ads are concerned, right? So that's my huge concern with that. And obviously as well, it has to do with your child's mental health and well-being and emotional maturity. Now, I always say that most adults are not even emotionally mature enough to handle the internet, let alone social media. So we have to be really cautious about how we open that gate for our children. And children should never be allowed to use devices without parental supervision as far as social media or even gaming is concerned. They should all be in public parental open spaces so that you can always see what's happening and keep an eye on them, especially now that they're home. And we've talked as well before about grooming and child um, predators online. And we have to be super hyper aware of that for our children right now. Wow. Well, that's great. That's great information because I didn't know any of that. And that, you know, really we had Joy Smith on and, and uh, you know, she's such a great advocate for the pornography and shot and for children and you're right Susie this is a whole new ball game um Charlotte and and Kristen can chime in now too this whole okay now this is all going somewhere else too well social media we're back to it right the good bad and the ugly um I mean a great thing um to keep us connected but now all of these the ugliness is is cropping up is that kind of like a, a cycle too or you know Charlotte too with this all like you know there's something happens like social media blows up right with we're in isolation and we're you know typing all these or sending all these messages and now we've been in this for probably longer than we ever ever expected 
So now the feelings change. So is that kind of like a roller coaster? We were talking about that on Tuesday. Um, what my head first goes, what happened in Minneapolis would have blown up regardless of whether we were in, in uh, isolation or not. I mean, it's just a, a horrible thing. Um, and that's been the talk of everything that we've been on this week in our peer support world, um, supporting what that looks like and, and exactly what, you know, Susie was talking earlier about. Um, Kristen, you want to chime in on that? Because your kids are younger on the the social media. Oh, one second. Oh, sorry, guys. Um, yeah, uh, Susie, I completely back everything you said about it's the parent uh, responsibility to be on top of what's happening. Uh, my girls are um, uh, 20 and 22, and you know, Instagram was brand new. Um, you know, things were happening really fast when they were 14, 15, 16. And I took it upon myself, just my choice of how it worked in my family. And apparently, by my kids' standards, we're the only family who didn't allow the cell phones to go to bed with them uh, until they were 18. But um, I went and I introduced myself to the manager of the Apple store. And I educated myself on how to put on restrictions on their phone. Um, and... Um, I had to. And uh, so I got my head around it really quickly. But social, I completely agree, Susie, social media, nothing good comes out of that for um, young people growing up. Um, images, um, and I'm talking images about how a female should look. Um, uh, the bullying that goes on online. Um, and just the proliferation of porn. Like there's so much pornography that's out there, right? And I say to my kids, you know, these, and whether it's, you know, violence or pornography or whatever it might be, once you see something, you can't get that out of your head, right? Once it, once you've seen it, it's there. And that's the challenge that I have with the, with the accessibility to the internet, to social media, all these things is that we need to be really protective of our kids. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Kristen, please. No, I, I, I completely agree. And often that can be by accident, not because our, our children are, uh, are trying to see certain things. Um, you know, my daughter, we were doing a project on the Canadian beaver, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but when we were researching that, uh, that, you know, she was young. Um, but I also wanted to comment, Cynthia, with everything going on in our world today and with what happened in Minneapolis, which I... I cannot believe that happens on this planet today. Um, your platform, form, and I'm just looking at your website, uh, Girl Power Productions, um, you've warmed my heart in a really tough week. So um, um, yeah, kudos to you for uh, accept. Um, yeah, uh, it almost gets me emotional. So I'm, I'm glad I, I stumbled upon that. Thank you. Um, ladies, uh, we actually have a question from a viewer that's watching. And they say, what do you think about kids on YouTube? <laughs> Susie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to unmute myself. I always struggle, struggle to find that button. Um, yeah, so there's two parts of that, right? There's part kids are like un unpacking um, games and things like that, or, you know, kids watching videos of kids playing with toys, which again, I don't get, but it's out there. Uh, and a lot Part of that is with permission, right? So there's that. Second part is, yes, there are a lot of kids that are posting content to YouTube, 
that is, again, uh, a source of great stress for me because your child should not have a YouTube account until they're 13, minimum age. And again, there's a lot of things about YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, whatever that video stuff is, um, that is a, a minefield for a young person, right? So again, it boils down to, do you know what your children are doing online? Do you have access to their devices? Do you know what apps are on their phone? And if you don't, you absolutely need to. So Justin goes from the Apple store and getting all these things set up. Absolutely, you should have your Apple family uh, set up on your phone so that you can control what apps your kids are downloading. Please don't forge their ages so that they can get access to apps early because you're not doing them any favors, really. You're actually exposing them to possible um, bullying and other issues that you might not even know about yet. Um, so that, that's my, my fun sponge answer. Uh, you know, it's that you are there to protect your children and giving them access to these networks before the recommended age is not a good thing to do for your children. I know everyone's going to say everyone else is doing it. Yeah. I'm the parent who says, I don't care what everyone else is doing. This is how we do things in our house. So yeah you have to protect your child, number one. And then Susie, maybe you can talk about, you know, if like I know in the case of my daughter was bullied on Facebook and some of the images trying to get those down. Yes. Once they're up in the internet. Like exactly. It, it, yeah, so maybe talk about that a bit. Right, so one of the things that, you know, I talked about with my kids before they went and got their accounts, whatever, is that I've always said to them, first of all, if you're a parent, your child has one Instagram account that you know about and one that you don't, if not more than one that you don't. That's just the way it works, okay? You have to be ready for that reality. Second part is I told the kids, you know, I hate to talk about, you know, back in my day, but if we can all think about our 13-year-old or 14-year-old selves, can you imagine, have you ever read your diary from those years? Have you sat down and read your diary and thought, oh my gosh, imagine now if that was on the internet forever. Like the person you are when you're 13 or 14 is not the person you are when you're even 18, 23, 44. I've told my children, live your life, do not document it on social media. Just don't, because you will, you will do yourself so much more good and so much more favor by just living your life and not being concerned with how it looks or how, you know, it appears on social media. Now, that being said, they still use the apps to take, you know, pictures and share with their friends. That's fine. Have fun. But please remember that social media is not real life. And that's one thing that we really need to express to our kids and to drive home. And that matters too with how you use social media. So do your kids see you, you know, taking 25 selfies before you post it or when you're out and about, you know, I guess before pandemic life, when you were out and about, are you more concerned with getting the perfect picture or experiencing that moment with them, right? How we use social media affects how they use social media as well. So I think we really need to talk about that and what social media brings to our lives. Like, can you live an hour without your Facebook or Instagram? Because if you can't, how do you expect your kids to, right? Yeah. 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 Um, that's... Uh, I'm hearing, seeing TikTok a lot. <laughs> okay, I so much TikTok. don't, I, 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 I explain Susie. It's, it's your show, I guess. Okay. okay, so one of the things about TikTok is that actually when this pandemic uh, hit and I was doing some media talking about, 
you know, how life is going to change as people work from home and things do. One of the things I actually encouraged parents to do was to do TikTok dances with their kids because your kids are home. And, you know, if your kids are older, older, I say like 14, 15, 16, they're probably doing these TikTok dance challenges anyway. So if you want to have some fun with your kids, that is a that is a way to have fun with your kids for sure. And they can teach you how it works and they can show you all the fun things. But again, then it's a family thing. It's not something that they're doing in their you know room all by themselves or that you have no idea what it's about. If it's something you can do together, I think that's really fun. And again, it gives you a way to you know bridge that age divided to talk about so what is this TikTok? why do you like it what do you do on there and they say oh you're such an old so you don't even know what it's for that's fine but you can still have some fun with them yes <laughs> oh my god wow so um getting on now then where do we go from here i mean yes if we talk about educating people can we turn the tables on social media and bring it back to where it is for the good and not well depending on the executive order that's being written in washington right now I, twitter might be offline by the end of today so i don't know but <laughs> that's probably not gonna happen but again you know what it's it's the same as the world out there we can't save our kids from the whole world but we can certainly educate them and empower them and teach them our values and ask them to to be that model and to mirror those values when they're out in the world, right? right. Uh, we've talked before, you know, and I think Joy touched on this as well, about, you know, and now, especially during this pandemic, when they're home with us, we have the, to use this word, unprecedented ability to connect with our kids in a way that we haven't had before. And I think that that is a really healthy thing. And that should serve a really positive purpose to be more loving and to be more vulnerable and to just be there for them. And you know, they, they need our attention more than anything. They don't need this. They need us, no. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got my other husband having a meeting down, or my other husband, I have my husband down there having a meeting. <laughs> okay, he's gone. <laughs> uh, we're still trying to figure out, right, you know, how much you can hear and how much you can't. And, and that's another thing too. I mean, even um, picking up, kids pick up on how parents feel too, right? And their anxieties and, uh, and we can't have to, the, the to, to, to go back to what you were saying too, media and the use of social media is that it really needs to be a family conversation. You know, how we use social media, how parents use it, how you expect your kids to use it. And again, I'm a big fan of communication and just talking. So listening to your kids as well, saying, okay, so why do you want to have this account? What's the reason for it? What are you going to do with it? And find out what their motivation is. And if it's just because everybody else has it, maybe we need to have a talk about what that means. You know, and why does everybody else have it when they're 10, when you're not supposed to have it until you're 13 or whatever it might be, right? That's a really good way to, again, talk about your family values, to talk about what's important to your family and to your household and why that might not be the right move for your family and your ch child right now. Talking, communication, regardless of what age they are. Wow. Can I just say, um, can I just say, Charlotte, aren't you so glad that our kids are of an age where they're out of that world? And uh, my youngest, who's 20, actually made a choice 
about two years ago to take her 1,600 friends off Instagram and, and scale it back to about 60 friends. And um, that's, that, that is acquaintances, right? You, nobody has 1,600 friends. But they do get to a point where hopefully they start to recognize the damage that can happen and how uh, this isn't good for their uh, wellness overall. And um, even to a point where during what's happening at this time, um, my youngest daughter, who's 20, is doing a lot of knitting and a lot of painting. And, and she's got her sewing machine out. And I mean, get off the phones. <laughs> so that's my two cents. Uh, there's also, there's also um, I don't want to say it's a movement, but there's also um, a visible split in terms of you know, Generation Z and older uh, kids. So you're going to see a lot of kids, and I've seen this before in the blogging community and on Instagram, kids who are actually saying to their parents, stop posting pictures of me. Yeah. I don't want my picture on Instagram. I don't want my picture on Facebook or whatever. And these are like little kids, like four or five. And moms are kind of like, whoa, like, you're right. Like, I should not be posting your picture and, you know, sharing things about our life or whatever without your permission or your consent, really. And it's an interesting thing because these kids are realizing that I have no control over this image when mama or daddy posts it. And... You know, your kid comes home with a report card or has a good hockey game. It's like, don't post that. And the parents are saying, well, why? And they're just like, because I don't want, I don't need anyone to know. You know, this is my life. This is my success or whatever it might be. Or my failure, maybe it is, because there's a lot of parents who post about challenges or, you know, I mean, how many blog posts have I thought about where moms talk about potty training and that's like etched on the internet forever, right? Like, we need to remember that these children are people too, and they're gonna have a long life after we're gone. And where does that digital footprint look like that we started to create for them before they even had a chance to consent to that? So I really like that conversation about consent and what they're willing to uh, post or have us talk about in a public sphere, which is social media. That is a public sphere, for sure. Wow, it's thing. you wanna chime in here? I mean, even with your boys and everything, and yeah. I'm sure there's an instance you know, you know, circumstances, right? Yeah, absolutely. So just on what Susie was saying, we, you'll notice that in, in the majority of the posts that Brian and I post, it's never about our kids. Uh, and that's purposely done. And when, and if we do post a picture of our kids and as it would be as a family, not just of the kids, uh, we ask their consent. It's very important. And we would never post a picture that would put them in a compromising situation. Or when you see a kid in a diaper, yeah, it's cute, but you're right. When they're 20, that's not cute, right? You know, and so I think that's really, really important. And we do it also for, from a, a privacy and a security standpoint, because we're in a unique situation. Uh, but I firmly believe that it's, you know, that living your life versus posting everything about it, right? And, and posting pictures of your kids. I'm not a big fan of seeing, I'm, while I love to see cute pictures at the same time, I'm feeling, I don't think those kids probably consented to having that picture posted. Oh, Allie, I mean, hey, social media, this is, uh, you're, you're right in it and living it and, you know, the good parts for it for you and maybe the bad parts. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've had a lot of bad parts, I will say. And I can't um, express how much I am the same with you, Tracy, in the sense of um, I did a lot of opinion pieces when I was in university. And then I would do a lot of initiatives when I was in university. And then even just leaving that and kind of getting my opinion pieces out there. 
I didn't read a single comment. That was my rule of thumb was number one, it's out there. I'll share it to my family and my friends. They'll probably print it off. My mom will print it off. That's good for me. And I don't want to read a single thing on there because it will just tear me down of whatever high I'm on because I just did something great. And I, that's something that I have to really remove myself from. I've had instances um, in the past where I've even had violence attacks on me and, you know, it went to the media and stuff. But those photos were used of me to make memes out of my face, like my face that was attacked and beaten and bloody. And those are circulated everywhere. So you even come down to think what is okay to even share with the media, right? Um, it's like a really deep conversation that this could expand out to is myself putting myself out there and saying, you know, if you're a woman at home experiencing gender-based violence, please do come forward. There's other people out there. That's why I'm telling my story. And in turn, putting yourself out there vulnerably then was made into a bunch of memes of my face, right? So there's the negative piece on it. But then on the positive piece on it, I also received an outpour of love from women across the globe who just saw my message and saw my thing and said, one, you inspired me to come forward about something of my own. And two, I'm here for you and I hear you. And that stuff is what I love. That stuff's what keeps me going. Um, if I go and speak somewhere about my own lived experience and then I get um, a mother of a youth or something reaching out to me, those, those are the things I live for, right? Hearing like, thank you so much. And that's what I needed to hear. Those things are amazing for me. Um, but also in the, in, in gaining, of course, networks, like all of you lovely ladies on here, it's really important. And these are the, the great things, but then there's the, there's also the incentives I was thinking about with youth as well. Um, with youth, there is, you can get paid to be a, a YouTuber, right? You can actually get paid to be a YouTuber and make a lot of money, surprisingly enough. Like it's wild. And, and to be an Instagram influencer as well. So there's a, an incentive at the end of it too, is every ad that gets paid or every ad that runs through every single YouTube video, they get paid for that, for doing these things and for being a brand ambassador or for being X, Y, Z that they, you know, think of. And, and I can't even, I, for myself, when I, when I took a job up in, um, as a minister's assistant, I was like, what's all over my Facebook? You know, like, I don't even know from when I was just even when I was 15 years old, I, the posts I write and I read, I cringe. Right. So it's all about that. Those conversations, if someone could have stopped me from writing that really cringy post a little while ago, that would have been great. But I think that there's so much into it, both youth, both adults that you want to get that positive message out. And then there's always going to be something that is negative on it. So I just try to really pull myself apart from that and use it for the biggest positive pieces that I can. Wow. Yeah. Cynthia, you want to chime in? I mean, to social media, you said you need yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's intriguing as everyone was talking and sharing, you know, I immediately reflected back on as part of my executive career for six years, I oversaw the corporate social media requirements uh, for the Winnipeg organization that I was with. Um, and at that point we were starting up. And so my job was to get people to adopt and to get online and the whole bit. And, you know, then as Ali was talking, I was thinking, there's a lot, especially in the Facebook history that comes up as I went through my own personal journey uh, since 2016 not only did I do it on the job, but I also did it publicly through social media. And as I see all those messages come up and remind me, 
and, and some of them are very cringeworthy because I remember the moment of my, my state, my emotional state, my psychological state at those times. And I was reaching out in order to get validation, in order to um, really uh, accept myself in that moment. Um, and now I look at it and I go, I accept myself. I don't need that external validation. And why, you know, why did I go there? But I did. Um, and so you kind of reflect on it. And when I look at that, as we talk about with kids and, you know, just think from an organizational, when they grow up, the, uh, the culture that gets created within an organization and the liability that comes. And it's not just when you get into a leadership position and you have fiduciary responsibility, but there, there's also this aspect of, you know, people go, well, what I do in my time, that's my business. Um, not when it reflects on the brand of the company you work with, it could actually lead to dismissal. So, you know, people learning these behaviors actually carry through all of their life. Um, you know, as, as Susie started off and has very eloquently addressed, uh, you know, that really is, is the crux of it, is that we don't realize what the outcome is down the road. Since my intent was to educate, I still see the educational element, but the person that wrote some of that stuff four years ago is not who I am today. Right. Um, but, yeah. um, hey, I, congratulations, though, that you can realize that. And Allie realizes that. And, you know, and, and all of you, I'm not on Facebook. So <laughs> I, um, but I just think that you, both of you show such great strength into, re, into realizing that you are a better person, that you do have the confidence now. And it's true. I mean, yes, everything, the horrible things that, ha that had happened this weekend in Minneapolis and that are happening Social media, I guess, sometimes is the fastest way, right? You're hurt or you're angry, and I'm gonna I'm gonna type this out um, without realizing when it's there, it's there. I guess maybe now is the time to sort of when we're all together. You're right, Susie. Start that line of communication talk um, before striking the keys or you know texting on something, but. Uh, yeah, and it, it really just boils down to, you know, again, what are you using social media for? And, you know, I, we've all heard the term keyboard warrior and all those things. You're not going to change anybody's mind about anything on social media. Like, that's just not how it works. And we need to be mindful of, like, like Cynthia said, you know, like what we type and what we put out there stays out there. And so we have to be, you know, responsible for our behavior and how we act or react in any situation. When it comes to, you know, a Facebook thread or even a Twitter thing, you don't have to answer every fight you're invited to, you know? Like sometimes you just have to let things go. And you know, how many times have I typed out, you know, response and then delete. And sometimes it just feels better to type it out and then hit delete, right? Because <laughs> you know you're not gonna change anybody's mind anyway. So um, the art of conversation uh, is still, you know, if we were meeting face-to-face -face like this, this would be wonderful. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, be careful and mindful of how you use social media, especially right now, you know, in this uh, unprecedented time, people are on edge, people are not at their best, and sometimes it's just good to keep on scrolling. You don't have to answer, you don't have to like, just keep on going. Yeah. 
Oh, you know, Susie, I've heard you say many times before, and that is not only whatever the, but we're in a pandemic and these are different times. And um, anyone who goes, oh, no, I'm still, they're just lying to themselves. Um, I have had to work through what does that really mean and feel. Um, so absolutely, every time you say it, I go, yep, that's exactly what it is. Not only are we dealing with X, Y, Z, but we're also dealing with ABC. And that pandemic is always a part of all our thinking. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know how long this is going to last. I, I mean, starting Monday, ladies, we can go have our manicures and pedicures and get a tattoo and uh, go into a gym if you want to. I don't think that that's, they're going to be breaking down doors. But I guess from all of this now, what have you learned about yourself? Allie, <laughs> she's, she's typing and then deleting. <laughs> um, you know, I actually learned in the beginning of all of this, I was like, okay, I'm going to fight this. This is the time for me to do some self-discovery. I'm going to be the most productive. I'm going to learn how to knit, crochet, you name it. And then um, I did get into plans. I did. That one stuck. That one did stick. But I was finding myself being really hard on myself in the beginning of, you know, what am, why am I not taking up more? Why am I not learning another language? Or why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing that? And that was really, really hard on myself. But I think every day um, is a new day right for me. And every day I kind of just take it on as it is. I don't want to throw myself with too much productivity or, or even be too much of my own worst critic. Cause that's, that's what I tend to do is I tend to be too hard on myself if I feel like I'm not out there and doing too much. So kind of in terms of what I'm doing right now and what I've decided to, to do with my spoons and the rest of my energy for, I guess the rest of the time is take on what I can take on um and be there for everybody else right now i've decided that no, number one priority right now is that everybody needs something and i don't know what that something is for everybody it could be different maybe somebody just needs to have a phone call maybe somebody needs a surprise something on their doorstep so right now what i'm doing in this pandemic and how i'm trying to kind of keep calm and pandemic on i guess is is just go with the flow, keep the vibes going, keep myself happy, but don't push it and not get mad at myself if I'm not doing something that I had a goal to do or if I'm not running six miles in the morning. My goodness. I just need to understand that some days I'm allowed to, you know, do what they say and sit on the couch and not leave my house some days. I'm allowed to do that. And I think that has really switched my my own view. Like I learned a lot about myself and that I have a lot more resiliency than I thought. I've been able to um, deal with a lot of situations that I that I would have assumed um, pre-pandemic. I would have assumed I wouldn't have been able to deal with at all in a in a in a general nature. I probably would have went a lot more south. But um, things that have happened during this time, I've been I've been able to handle a lot better. And I don't know if that's because I've had a lot more time with myself and a lot more time to value myself, but I have been doing a lot of self gratitude and a lot of self love because I may not have done the six mile 
run in the morning that day. But I did tell myself that, you know, that was a really good paper you wrote and submitted on time the other day. You know, those kind of things. I'm celebrating my small victories right now. And I'm learning that I don't need to be doing 101 things, but as long as I'm making myself happy and can spread it even just a little bit, even just a little bit, that um, that's, that's what I've learned about myself. And that really my resiliency has grown. And I think all of us, all of our resiliency, our kids, it, the youth of Manitoba, all of us, has, this is going to strengthen us completely because really we're stuck with our own voices guys we can we can only hear so much of ourselves for so long so i've learned a lot from myself but um i'm ready to shut ali off for learning and back to getting back to my school learning and just being being okay and being content with with who i am right now wow tracy <laughs> Is that your, one of your little guys there? Yeah, <laughs> one of my little guys is going back and forth, yes. Hi. <laughs> oh, he's saying hi. <laughs> um, you know what I've learned is, you know, I, I would concur with, with a number of the things that Ali's mentioned. As a fellow runner, you know, kudos to you to getting out. I'm not running as much as I should be. I, that's the one thing I wish I was doing a bit more, but the day goes by and it just doesn't happen. So, but the one thing that I have learned is that we actually don't need a lot not a lot, like we need a lot of love, like we need a lot of people, but we don't need a lot of stuff. We actually don't need to go out as much as we do. You know, going to the grocery grocery store every seven to 10 days or whatever that looks like. We don't need to be shopping all the time. We can make do with the clothes that we have. You know, while, you know, hockey and swimming and all those things are important for kids, they don't need it all the time. Like it, it is interesting what you, what, what are needs and wants, right? And I think we're learning that, uh, what is, and, and, uh, I mean, the one thing about that is that it affects a number of businesses who who support those wants that we that we have, right? But we don't need everything, and I and I hope that after all of this, that we're able to think about those needs and wants and really prioritize what's important for us as people and as our family. So that's been really interesting, and I've also been reading a lot more than I used to. So that's been good. Yes, <laughs> no doubt. What about you, Kristen? Um, you know, I, I don't want to sound like Pollyanne, but um, because this is a, a horrible global situation, uh, clearly, but I have enjoyed some of these pieces of slowing down and everybody being at home and everyone kind of being around the kitchen, making dinner, cleaning up, um, lots of conversations that are happening at home. It, it's been really nice to kind of just, just have the quiet um and uh, just enjoy the family and as far as the things that you don't need um you're right we don't need to like jump on that treadmill and go 100 miles an hour and uh, obtain a whole uh, bunch of things and and do a whole bunch of things it's kind of nice to uh, enjoy the quiet and get back to the real basics and the simplicity of that family unit so you know for for my house uh, financially, uh, we still have uh, paychecks coming in that hasn't been really disrupted. So, um, and, and I know that's certainly not the case for everybody, but so for us, there's been pieces of this that, that I've enjoyed. Um, but I'm hoping it, we don't all go back to normal or what our normal was, or I'm certainly going to try not to do that. Um, and, and I hope we, our, our whole perspective shifts a little bit, and I hope we carry some of this through the end of the pandemic with us. Um, so it's, there's some positives, and I don't mean to sound all Pollyann, but uh, um, I'm enjoying all pieces, yeah. 
well, that's what this is all done to you. You become Pollyanna. This is great. <laughs> oh, Charlotte, how about you? I mean, yes, I mean, with your business too. I mean, this, this has been like boom, boom time. Yeah. When Robin and I started our business two years ago in mental health, uh, who would have thought um, we had set up in our business plan everything that we teach and do it online. Um, but there was always that component of travel. Robin was normally gone three weeks out of every month traveling, um, as well as all our on, online. And I was gone maybe uh, a week out of every month. And what's happened with that is that we don't have to travel as much. And, um, you know, our clients are really embracing the Zoom. Um, you know, right now we're in training um, with people in Dauphin and Manitoba for the implementation of peer support into Emerge. And so they're all together in, in Zoom training right now, getting to know each other. And, it, and it's going really, really well. So um, Robin is really talking about not, when this goes back, not traveling as much. Um, and uh, just really like being specific of where she goes and, uh, and not jumping and running every time a client's, you know. Um, we've got a client in um, Prince Edward Island and depending on what October looks like, you know, we, she may go, she may not, and, and they're fine with that. Um, on a, and on a personal note, you know, I, I talk about like what Kristen's saying, we're really celebrating the gifts um, and the reality. So I, um, Two, two people who live in my house have um, more anxiety than they ever had. They're, they're real organized planners and their life is always very set. And this uncertainty has, has heightened their anxiety. And uh, I try really hard not to get caught up in it as well. Um, in our training with families, we talk about um, mental health is a parallel process between each family member and um, you know, how their mental health affects yours and, and how yours affects theirs. So just being really, really mindful of supporting them, but not getting, having my anxiety increase over it. And, and I use Susie's line all the time, like we're living in a pandemic. I know that you have to keep thinking about that and you know, whether you finish your degree online or you know, going to the university, you know, it's really gonna depend on that. Um, and the gifts, um, like Trace said, I'm not exercising. I'm, I go to the gym. Me not going to the gym is killing me. So I have uh, become a little more jiggly than I had, uh, that I've ever been. Um, but the gift I'm celebrating right now is uh, my family's all here. Um, and my daughter, uh, her boyfriend is living with us right now. He's a chef. So uh, when I stop work, I get uh, lessons. So last night, uh, I learned how to make gnocchi. We ate at 10.30 at night. Um, then I went to bed and got up and went to work. So, you know, a little bit more jiggle from that, but it was fantastic. I now know how to make that. Um, tonight, we're having smoked brisket. It's been on the smokers already this morning. So I'm uh, really excited. Well, we could stand on your driveway, you know, know. <laughs> all of us. And <laughs> yeah. Little samples. Yeah, Robin says, "What are we having for dinner tonight?" I'm like, "Oh, this is okay. I'm coming." I said, "Well, you know, it's a little late." <laughs> anyway, so there's a lot of gifts um, as well that I'm embracing. Oh, well, that's great. Cynthia. Yeah, it's um, you know, to what Tracy was saying, um, when you decide that you're going to travel for a year or two, you definitely learn to get rid of what you don't need. Um, so again, I kind of came into it, you know, literally my life in 50 pounds. Um, 
in a suitcase. That's, uh, that's my life today. So the, the, the gift that really has come out of the experience was, you can imagine, you know, all this travel, you go to new cities and there's lots of new food to try and on and on. And you encounter so much FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And so the challenge has been, I started with all the intent of I'm going to work on this and I'm going to work on myself and I want to work on um, loving myself and accepting myself more and on and on. And FOMO just was so busy. Like I didn't have time to do anything. I was just so busy doing other stuff or fear of missing out. And this has just brought a calm and a pause and I don't feel guilty that I spend the first two hours of my morning on me. And I've implemented um, gratitude. I wake up, the first thing I do is I put an app on my phone and within 30 seconds, I grab my phone and I open that app and I don't do anything else until I've listed three things that I'm grateful for um, the moment I've woken my eyes. And then once I do that, um, then I will go uh, take a look at, some of the uh, messages that I've written before in terms of just, you know, just trying to remind myself, what am I grateful for? What am I, you know, looking forward to? Um, I'll sit and do some uh, yoga. Um, I'll uh, do some specific meditation about the intention for my day. Um, just one thing, just what, what am I, what's my intention for the day? Um, and then I kind of come out, then I'll listen to the news and then I'll do my Spanish class and stuff like that. So it just, you know, I have two hours dedicated to my own self-improvement and my own self-love. And that's been an amazing gift. Oh, that's wonderful. And Susie, I hope, hopefully your heart isn't too full of sadness now. You know what? <laughs> One of the things about this pandemic is that is realizing that you can have the full gamut of human emotions running through you at any given moment, <laughs> like from the depths of despair to, like you said, gratitude for just the fact that we made it another hour or another day, you know, kind of thing. And um, yesterday I was um, thinking about uh, like spring break and summer vacation, right? So there's always a point in one of those places where the kids start to drive you just a little bit batty. You're just like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till they're back in school. And we haven't had that happen yet. And that there's two sides to that where I think like, oh, this is so great. You know, they're getting along or whatever. But then a part of me also is sad because they've basically accepted that this is the new normal, you know, and we've talked about that before, like how I'm a little bit heartbroken and how they've just, you know, resigned themselves to like, well, I guess this is it. This is the new normal. I'm just going to have to live with this. And I mean, kids are amazing. They are resilient and they're also really humbling in that respect. So I'm really grateful for my kids and every day I get up to, you know, bake them some cinnamon buns or, you know, whatever, but their perspective and, I'm just glad to be with them every day. I'm just glad to be with them and to hug them whenever they need a hug and to, you know, go for a walk with them or to just snuggle on the couch or help them with math homework. Or my husband did a comic with my daughter yesterday for schoolwork. 
I'm glad that I can be here with them during this time because I would be sad if I wasn't able to be here with them. And my, my heart goes out to all of those people who are essential workers and people who are still, you know, putting themselves on the front line and being out there every single day, whether it's, you know, hospitals or grocery stores or whatever it is that we're using these days and don't, um, don't have that option of being home with your children and, um, or anyone else that they're caring for. So again, it goes back to being kind and being compassionate and to just really taking a deep breath and seeing how we can just put more good out into the world every day. Wow. Well, I feel the same like every you, like all you guys. And I just now learned that there's cocktail hour around the world, at least, uh, you know, starting in the morning or, or the afternoon. Now, I think I am really grateful for this, this whole platform um, just to be sort of together, you know, and to talk with each other. I think this has been my therapy is just listening to all of you. Um, the topics never um, are boring and we can all relate to. Um, I'm a little sad. I think we're going to take these to once a week because I know that people's schedules are getting uh, back to more normal. So we will be having these every Tuesday. Um, what the new normal will look like. I'm hoping very soon that we can all be together in one room, except for you, Cynthia. I mean, I, I would love to come and do a show in Columbia, but you know, international travel may put a little bit of a dent in that. But if we can be in a place where safe distancing, but I know, you know, I'm, I'm learning now through all of this, everybody is different. And I have to, and will ex accept anybody's, you know, safe, safety levels, um, even how they feel, right? Um, everybody has their opinion. And I think what I've learned from all of this is that uh, I respect your opinion. I may not agree with it, but I respect how you feel and I want, I do not want to ever impose my feelings or tell you that, no, this is the right way. And that's, you know, it, and that's been, you know, hard a little bit, but I think uh, we all have reacted to this differently, but I think in the bottom of my heart, we've all reacted to it very beautifully. I mean, what you've all bring to the conversation table is really amazing and my hope is that your words resonate with more people. So I'm more than happy to continue this on for June and uh, would love to have you all back. So next Tuesday, I'm thinking, what are you gonna do for summer vacation? <laughs> and I hope, I hope some of you have some creative ideas because I, I really wanna hear them. And then also too, I would like to um, Okarama has been canceled, but they are bringing it, implementing new ways to bring Bokorama to your home. So I'm hoping to have Tina back maybe and talk a little bit about that. And, uh, and again, the cultural card, right? It's still weighing pretty heavy and uh, on ways that, you know, we can do and how we can help as people, you know? So anyways, ladies, thank you so much. Have a great weekend and stay safe. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikeyou.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.